morning welcome we're so glad to see you this morning say hi to one of your neighbors real quick as we get ready to worship together this morning amen
just trust in you, Lord. We trust in you and who you are and who the Bible says that you are. Knowing that you are doing good things in our lives and that you have not left us, you have not forsaken us. And every need that we have will be brought. And I just want to speak the name of Jesus Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus just want to speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break Clearing there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus cause your name Yeah. 
Sometimes I hear the Lord saying, don't think I'm a halfway God. Where in the scripture did he do things halfway? What if when the Israelites were escaping, he only parted the sea for half of them to get there? Or what if they only had provision for 20 years instead of 40? Or what if Lazarus's body was only half healed when he called him back to life? Or the leper's bodies were only half healed when he touched them? He doesn't do things halfway. He is a 100% God. And I just hear him saying, if you have overcome some things but not all, he is a 100% God. And he is going to touch you from the top of your head all the way to the bottoms of your feet. He is going to heal you from the inside out. We have to stop believing that he's a halfway God, that he starts things and he doesn't see them to completion because he does. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. And there is just, I know it, there is someone here who has given up some things, but they said, God, I just, you're not doing it for me. You're not taking me all the way there. And he said, I'm going to, I am in, you are in progress. Just like the Israelites were in progress. He has not forgotten you halfway. Amen. We're just going to sing that chorus again. And just claim it. Claim that his name is power. That his name is might. Claim it over your life, over your family's life. If you're waiting for someone to come to Christ that you've been praying for for a long time, don't lose heart now. Don't lose heart now. What if the Israelites lost heart? Don't lose heart. In his power, your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Oh, shine through every shadow, Burn like a fire.
Well, this morning we want to take a few moments and partake of communion together. Of the things that Jesus asked us to do, one thing that he asked was that we partake of communion, as he did at the Last Supper, in remembrance of him. We do so because the death of Jesus on the cross and certainly then his resurrection is the key to the whole thing. In this we believe, amen, that Jesus came God in flesh. We just celebrated Christmas, the, the remembering, the yearly reminder, the celebration that God is not far, he's not a distant God, but he is right here with us, amen. But Jesus coming to this earth led to a death on a cross. Substitutionary work, in other words, in our place. And we partake of communion, not only remembrance of what he has done and the significance of what he has done, but we, we take it because we believe that Christ has died, but then also believe that Christ has risen. And we proclaim his death, the Bible says, until he comes again, because then we believe that he is coming again. Amen. I believe in the power of the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. I believe in his resurrection from the dead, the new life given for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I believe he's coming again because he is going to finish the work of making all things new. Do you believe that? Amen. So we're going to partake this morning. Now, you don't have to. If you don't want to, that's fine. It's okay. But if you would like to this morning to partake of communion with us, we just ask that you kind of make your way to the center aisle filter and then kind of filter around the sides. Grab the elements, take them back to your seat. We'll pray together and partake of them together. So come this morning to the table of the Lord if you wish to partake this morning together.
morning. If you could just go around and greet some of your family of faith. Good morning, how are you? All right, good morning, everybody. Don't be too nice now. Don't want to be too nice. 
Amen. Well, it's good to have you today. So come on in. We're going to take up tithe and offering. So if you, if you do have... Um, uh, if you do have something to give, offering envelopes are in the chairs in front of you. If not, uh, wave your hand around. One of the ushers will help you out. Also, uh, somebody's going to come down the aisle here. If you have a prayer request, we have uh, prayer cards uh, that you can fill out a prayer request, drop it in an offering bucket, or just give it directly to me. Uh, I think here comes Sawyer. Sawyer's got those. So if you need a, a, a prayer card for a prayer request, wave your hand around. Sawyer will get that to you. But we appreciate... Um, Appreciate your faithfulness to the house this morning. So come on in, let's go. Get on with things today. Amen. Amen. All right, tithe and offering. I'm going to pray over your giving this morning. If you have something to give, you can bring it down. Uh, to these baskets up here on the stage. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to come and continue in our worship today and our giving. Father, I praise you that you are our provider. And I praise you that in all things, that you're always going before us. And all we do is, is follow you, look to you, depend upon you, and you are the one that gives us this day our daily bread. You are the one who brings provision to our life. You are the one that opens doors that, that need to be opened. You're the one that makes ways where there seems to be no way. We thank you for that. So, Father, as we give today, it's just another uh, example, uh, action of our life, of our faith in you as we live by faith. So as we give today, it's just, just an honoring to you because of your faithfulness. And we thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, we all say Amen. So if you have something, you can bring it down. I do have some announcements today. I have a handful of them. I apologize. I hate giving a lot of announcements, but there's some things going on that you need to be aware of. Uh, January the 29th, we've been talking about this a little bit. We'll have a sign-up sheet out for this starting Wednesday night. January 29th, right after church, for about an hour, we have, I want to call it a parent meeting, but if you're interested for parents, and we'll have somebody watch your kids if you want, we're going to have a time, uh, Judy Zerker, she's actually here today. She's sitting over there in the corner by that camera trying to hide over there. Um, she, she does a lot of presentations at local uh, high schools, this job that she does, different things that, that she uh, uh, helps young people with. Uh, but she's going to do something for us talking about your kids in social media. Uh, she's going to spend time talking about what a digital footprint is, what that means, uh, different uh, uh, kind of apps that aren't sort of the best. Now, social media is good to it's not. How many know what I'm saying? There's a lot of things in life like that. So uh, she, wants, uh, she wants to, I've asked her to come and, and give a presentation for parents on your kids and social media. So if you're interested in that, there'll be a sign-up sheet. That way we kind of know how many are going to be here. Uh, but if you actually have a couple questions about that, uh, you can actually get Judy before she runs out today and uh, she can explain a little more. And actually, this will probably have to do two parts to it because it's quite a bit of information, so we'll do part one at the end of this month and come back later uh, and do it again. Second thing, don't forget uh, we're kicking off our semesters of small groups in February, and what we're going to do next Sunday is we're going to introduce all of our small group leaders, and some of them may not have known this, but they know right now. Um, 
and they're going to actually tell you where and when they meet so you can get connected to a small group if you're not already in one. And also, uh, uh, an extra one that we're doing is on Sunday mornings before church from 9.15 to 9.45, there's going to be a small group meeting downstairs, and they're going to be uh, doing some things in the book of Proverbs. So if you're interested in that one, there's a sign-up sheet at the back for that. And so uh, what we do with our small groups, other than Joy Fellowship that meets every month, we do sort of a semester um, uh, schedule where we meet from uh, February through May, take June and July off, then meet from August to November and take December and January off. That way we give our group leaders a break and things like that. So anyways, next Sunday, we'll give you more information about our small groups and uh, hopefully you get connected to one of those because we value relationships and there's so many things that can happen in small groups uh, outside of our general services that I think is important. The next thing is, don't forget, coming up February the 17th at the Friday night, we have our annual Love Your Marriage Night for married couples or for anybody that wants to get married or headed down that road. It's going to be just good information. So all the campus pastors are going to come, and we're going to do some sessions about marriage. And this is the example I always use, but I think it, it, it kind of works a little bit. Um, you drive your car, but if you don't take care of your car, eventually your car is going to break down. You don't change the oil, you're headed for some trouble. You start to hear a little grinding, and you don't change your brakes, your brakes, your brake pads, your calipers, everything's going to go. Your rotors, now you're in a several hundred dollars instead of just your brake pads. you got to maintain your marriage the same way. So we're going to be talking about how to maintain your marriage because how many know the enemy would like nothing more than to rip apart your family? So we, at these nights, uh, take time to talk about marriage. There's child care. There's going to be food. It's actually a three. Uh, last year we did two nights. This year it's just one night for three hours, 6 to 9 p.m. We're going to come and talk a lot about marriage, eat some food, have a good time, and have something for your kids. So there's a sign-up sheet at the back for that so we know how many uh, people need to prepare for food and all that kind of stuff. And last but not least, um, and I need to take a couple of moments on this one before we get into the Word. Today kicks off our annual 21 days of prayer. So from today through January 28th, we as a church want to focus on prayer. Now, you should be a person of prayer regardless. But it's a time for us to say for the next 21 days, we want to focus as a church family on prayer and consecrate our coming year to God in our prayer. So some different things about that. First off... Um, we're also kicking back off our weekly Monday night prayer from 6 to 7 right here. So we, we took a break in, in November, December, I think. Uh, so we're back on tomorrow night from 6 to 7, church-wide prayer right here. If you've never been here for church-wide prayer, come on out. If you have kids, they can pray with you. It's all right. These things we can teach them to do. It's important that we do these things. So church-wide prayer starts again tomorrow night, so gather for that. But then uh, back at the back, there are a couple resources first. There's this booklet called Pray First, and it's sort of the uh, kind of the phrase we want to start using, Pray First. And I know I keep saying this, but I want to drive this into your mind. In situations of life, where is the very first thing you should do? Pray. Because why would you not invoke God into your situations in life? Do you think he cares? Yeah, the Bible says cast your cares upon him, but why don't you? So a lot of times when things happen, the first thing we do is talk to our friend. That may be okay. Sometimes things happen in life, and the first thing we do is post it on social media. That's dumb. <laughs> a lot of times something happens in your life, and we do all this different stuff. How about we learn to pray first? 
invoke God into our situation. So this is just a little kind of a guide teaching on prayer. It actually has some prayer in here you can use. But, but if you would like some information or some teaching on prayer, grab this. Uh, if you would rather have it on your phone, back at the back on that board, there's a, a little poster that says Pray First on it, uh, 21 Days of Prayer. You can uh, hit the QR code, and there's a Pray First app that you can put on your phone. So instead of having this, it can be an app on your phone. Uh, but also, back at the back table, it's a simple white piece of paper uh, that has, for our church, uh, some things that we can pray over the next 21 days so we're all on the same page as a church in things that we're praying. It doesn't mean you can't pray outside of this, obviously, but to pray these things so we're together in prayer for the next 21 days. That makes sense? That was, that's what this is back there for. The challenge is, and I know this is a challenge for some of you, and if you can't do this, it's okay, but the challenge is for the next 21 days, consecrate one hour a day in prayer. And you go, wow, that's, that's a bit of time. Well... Well, first of all, if you pray this, you'll, you'll get a chunk into that. But, but here's something. Let me just give you an example. So I think the vast majority of us in here own one of these things, right? This is a phone. <laughs> what, whether your iPhone or what's the other one? Margo and I are a house divided. I'm iPhone, and she's the other stuff Galaxy. that's terrible. Galaxy. Anyway, so... Um, do, you, do you realize that on your phone, I don't know, I know the iPhone does it, that you can look at your screen time every day? How many know that? So the other day, I said this last week, let me say it again. The other day I went, I'm going to guess, and it was right before I went to bed, I'm going to guess how much time I spent on my phone today. So I, I came up with an a, a amount of time in my mind. I looked, and it was double what I thought in my mind I was on my phone. You, you know what I'm saying? And I was actually kind of like, wow, that's... I kind of, in a certain way, I kind of felt bad. I was like, I shouldn't be on this thing that much. You see what I mean? You, in other words, everybody's busy, but sometimes our busyness is stuff that we do, not things we need to do. So when there's a challenge to, to be a person of prayer, I know you can make time. I know I can just by looking at my phone and the time I spend on this thing, right? So the, if you can't, that's fine. But the challenge is an hour prayer a day. The, why am I doing that? Why am I saying that? Because I want you to develop a healthy habit, a rhythm of life of prayer. Be, because it needs to be a part of your life. Amen. Uh, of time in the Word. It doesn't have to be an hour, but, but to help develop a time. That we are praying first. We're, we're giving time to God because of what prayer does. Now, along with this little guide about prayer, Wednesday night, starting this Wednesday, we're going to be teaching about prayer. For the next four weeks, we're going to teach about prayer, fasting, what it means to uh, uh, be in prayer and spiritual warfare, and different things like this. So Wednesday night series, starting Wednesday, is about prayer during this time. So let's engage in prayer over these next 21 days. Amen? All right. Okay, if you survived all that, you can get your Bibles out. 2 Timothy chapter number 2 is where we're going to go today and actually spend time here over the next coming weeks on Sunday morning. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 22. Paul writes uh, the book, we call them the books of First and 2 Timothy, they're letters that Paul wrote. Paul wrote them to a young man named Timothy. Uh, Timothy was a protege of Paul. Uh, 
when the church be began to become established in the, the city of Ephesus, uh, Timothy was left there as sort of in a pastoral role. He was in a leadership role in the church in Ephesus. So Paul writes what we know as First and Second Timothy to Timothy uh, to encourage him, uh, to give him some instructions on dealing with the church, the people that are there in Ephesus that are coming into the church. Uh, but again, encouragement and instructions for Timothy in the situation that he found himself in as a leader in the church of Ephesus. Uh, so what we want to do over the next few weeks is there are two short passages of Scripture, one in 1 Timothy, one in 2 Timothy, that kind of go together because the verbiage Paul used is the same. Paul, often in his writings, if you read through the things that Paul wrote that we have in our Bible, he often uses different examples, different analogies, different illustrations to get across the points of things that he wants to people to understand, to know, and ultimately live. So we want to look at something that's along those lines today. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, let's read this and we'll, we'll talk about some more things concerning it. And verse number 22, 2 Timothy 2, 22. So, and, and by the way, in, in this particular uh, passage in 2 Timothy, this is kind of bookend by uh, Timothy talking about uh, dealing with those that are bringing some teaching in the church that's not right, how to deal with them, uh, to do it in an honest way, a truthful way, a, a, a right way. But he puts this in the middle of it. And he says, now flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from pure heart. And he goes on to get back into what he was talking about, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies, and you know that they bring quarrels and, and so forth. But if, if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, he, there's another list, does the same thing. Paul, again, he likes to make lists. He says, flee something and then pursue something. So we're going to look at 1 Timothy next week, chapter 6. But I like how he contrasts what he's saying here. He's saying, flee something but then also pursue something. You see that? The Christian life is active. Okay, I believe in God. That's great. I've asked for the forgiveness of my sins. Amen. You've been forgiven. But that puts you on a road of discipleship, a life to live. Christianity is an active way of living. It's not just simply believing something. And the analogy, the illustration Paul is using here, he's saying, and this is literal action, flee and pursue. Flee and pursue. Um, when I think of, of pursuing something, the very first thing, and it's just me, that pops in my mind is growing up as a kid, I was watching a lot of nature shows. Now, you may, you guys that are old, you're going to have no idea what I'm talking about, but maybe some of you that are older, how many of you remember the show that was always on Sunday afternoons called Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom? How many remember? Okay, yes. Yeah, see, some people of my generation in the house today. Amen. So the Mutual of Omaha Wild Kingdom was a nature show, and they were always in Africa or someplace following lions around and stuff. So when I think of pursuit, the very first thing I think of is a lion chasing a gazelle or a wildebeest or something, trying to get it to have lunch. That's what I think of. Now, I, I know, it, like my daughter's here today, home from college, 
if we have shows on like that and you see the lion gets the gazelle and starts to eat it, she's just like, Dad, this is really gross. But I'm like, this is, this is life. This is the circle of life or whatever they call it. You know, this, the lion needs to eat, right? Pursue it. Or, or, of course, I love sports. You can think about it in a way of, of a defender pursuing the ball carrier. Why? To tackle them, to stop them. Now, pursuing is not always violent like the lion eating the gazelle or, or the defender tackling the ball carrier. Pursue is simply a means to follow something in order to catch it or get it or grab hold of it. Pursue is active. It is purposeful. To be in pursuit of something means you have your sight set on it and you're going after it, right? And I love how Paul is saying here, you got to flee something. But the Christian life is not just fleeing things that we consider to be sinful, but we must also pursue things in life. Now, you do pursue a lot of stuff in life. I know that. So, for instance, uh, when I met my future wife, in a certain way I began to pursue her. I had my sights set on her. I wanted to catch her. You know what I'm saying? I'll be in a relationship with her. Somehow, miraculously, it happened. We pursue a lot of stuff. You can pursue a job. You can pursue uh, uh, goals in life. You can pursue a lot of things, and most of them aren't necessarily bad. But as a believer, as a Christian, we understand that we must have a priority of pursuing the things of God. Because no matter what else you pursue in life, these are the things that bring foundation for the proper pursuit of other things. Amen. But I like this whole flee and and pursue thing. What I have to put on the screen, Kelly, if you put it up there. It's, it's to flee, but also pursue. Now, when Paul is talking about flee youthful desires, flee youthful passions, what he's saying is you've got to learn to leave your life of sin behind. That's what he's saying. You've got to flee your life of sin. How many remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? Uh, his brothers did him wrong, sold him into slavery, right? Not a good family. That's a dysfunctional family right there. And, and so in slavery, he ends up in Potiphar's house. And remember, Potiphar's wife desired Joseph. Remember that whole story? And at one point, Potiphar's wife comes to Joseph, and Joseph literally flees from her because he doesn't want to get trapped and involved in a mess that would happen if he got involved with her. So much that when he ran, she still had a hold of his cloak when he ran away. Remember that story? fleeing something that will entrap your life. That's what Paul's getting at. Now, I think people that, that are, are believers, they're Christians, they have an understanding that the whole point of Jesus dying on the cross was to deal with our sin. But not just to forgive us of our sin, but to set us free from sin. And I know we have an idea from then on out that I must not be in sin. I think we understand that. Amen. So next week uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, the second thing after it also contains their righteousness, as we're going to talk about today, it talks about godliness. We're going to talk about godliness next week. When we pursue godliness, that has a lot to do with sin versus the nature of God. We'll talk about that. We know we shouldn't be in sin, so we've we got to learn to flee sin. That should be an attitude. Flee sin. But I often find 
that if we just try to flee sin but don't end up pursuing something, we often end up back in sin. Because it's not just about fleeing from sin. It is also then growth of the new life. You see that? Okay, so let's put it this way. If I was dishonest, and I, I had a problem with, with being honest, I didn't deal with people in an honest way, I was deceiving, I was manipulative. Okay, I, let's, let's say I come to know Jesus, and through conviction I realize I'm not an honest person, right? And I ask forgiveness for my dishonesty. How many know he forgave me then? I must work to live life in a way that I'm not dishonest any longer, but if I just try by my willpower not to be dishonest, I'm going to end up being dishonest. It's not just stopping sin, but growing new life where sin was. So if you ever notice, the Bible uses uh, fruit as an example. Your life grows something, and you're known by your fruit. Amen? It's not just throwing the fruit out of sin, but it's growing new things in its place. Amen. It's not just the absence of sin, but now the growth of new life. So where I was dishonest, now I grow into a person of integrity and honesty and uprightness where dishonesty used to be. That only comes by the help of the Holy Spirit, by the way. Right. And we'll get into that in a few minutes. But the point is, flee sin but now pursue something else. If you just try to flee sin, you'll end up back in it if you're not growing into new life. Does that make sense? That is a giant paradigm that we must grab hold of in the church. So many people know they're in sin and they ask for forgiveness of sin. They really desire not to be in sin, but how often do we end up back in it? It's because there's not the activity of the Holy Spirit growing new life in its place. That happens because we pursue active partnering with the Holy Spirit of new life. You see what I'm getting at? So if I'm pursuing, and, and what we're going to talk about today is righteousness, that first one. If I'm pursuing righteousness, that means my sight, there's activity, I want to grab hold of it. So the question is, do you desire the things of God more than you desire the sin that you're trying to be forgiven and set free from? That's a big thing right there. You will pursue what you desire. So, so back to, to my wife. Why did, why did I pursue her and not one of her friends? Because I desired her. I was attracted to her, right? I went after what I wanted. You ultimately do that in your life. You will always go after what you really want. See, leaving sin in your life, you can flee from sin and pursue godly things because something in you desires that more than you desire that. You see what I'm saying? Your understanding of sin and what sin is and its destruction of you is important. Because we, we desire sin, but you realize the destructive nature of sin. If you can grasp that, that'll help you say, even though I may desire that, that is not good for me. But I'll tell you what is good for me, the things of God. 
And as you grow, there'll be, there'll be this change, there'll be this working in you of a change of desire from sin to the things of God. But it's active pursuit. You've got to take steps. You've got to go after it. So we've got to learn to pursue, as Paul makes this list here, the first one, that we must pursue righteousness. Now, let's talk about that. What does it mean to pursue righteousness? Let me, let me give you a definition here. The word righteousness in a very basic understanding is right standing with God. Okay, so sin is in the world, and what happens because of sin? Man is separated from God in relationship, correct? What righteousness means is I'm in back in right standing with God relationally. And that happens through who? Jesus, the work of the cross. So righteousness is, I am in right standing with God. Now, now, there's a connotation, there's a nuance of righteousness in the Bible that God is righteous, and that plays out in the fact that he's faithful, and he's faithful to, to bring uh, uh, people into relationship with him and the working of our salvation and redemption, all those different things. But in a very basic sense, righteousness is right standing with God. But what does that mean to pursue righteousness? By the way, that word pursue in both First and Second Timothy, as we're going to look at, it, it is ongoing. It's not a one-time thing. So the Greek behind it brings a continual action. In other words, I am always pursuing these things that Paul is listing here. It is a lifelong endeavor to pursue righteousness. Now, one thing I need you to know about righteousness is this. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. So righteousness is right standing with God. We know that happens through Jesus, and I want to uh, put an emphasis on that here. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, for our sake he, that's Jesus, or God, made him Jesus to be sin who knew no sin. In other words, when Jesus went to the cross, he took our sins to the cross so that in him we might become the what of God? The righteousness of God. Let's look at another one. Titus chapter 3 and verse number 5. It's right behind 2 Timothy where we were earlier. Titus chapter 3 and verse number 5. It's that mid-sentence here, and he saved us, Jesus saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now, you can write down, if you're taking notes, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 24. You can write down 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 30, verses that say the same thing that we're saying here. Our righteousness comes from God through Christ Jesus. Our right standing with God Amen. comes because we have been forgiven through the work of Jesus. In other words, you cannot earn the righteousness of God. You can't earn it. You can't do enough good things to earn your salvation. You know that. It is only through the grace of and the mercy and the working of God that we are in right relationship with God. As a matter of fact, go to Romans chapter 3. 
Romans chapter 3 and verse number 22. Again, pick it up mid-sentence here with, with Paul writing. The righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe. How do we have the righteousness of God? Through faith. Because we believe. Amen. As a matter of fact, Romans 1.17 says the righteous live by what? Faith. It is our faith in, in Jesus, our faith in God, that we receive the standing in God of righteousness. You can't earn it. Now, when you say that, you say, but okay, but Paul says to pursue righteousness. You can't earn righteousness. What does it mean to pursue righteousness? You see what I mean? It seems like it doesn't go together. It doesn't make sense. So, Kelly, Kelly put this next screen up. The pursuit of righteousness is this. Now that I'm in right standing with God, what does life look like now? And I pursue that. Now that I'm in right standing with God because of the work that he's done for me, amen, I'm in right standing, reconciled relationship. But now to, what does life look like? What does life look like in front of me now that I've been forgiven, that I'm in right standing with God? And what Paul is writing in pursuing righteousness is he's saying pursue that life. Amen. In other words, Pursue the outworking of your salvation. Work your salvation out. What does it mean to live in the forgiveness of my sins? What does it mean to live in the fact that I've been set free from my sins? You see what I mean? I pursue that. It is something that ultimately I should desire. And there's an action of my life that shows that desire. I flee sin, but now I pursue a life that is the outworking of the fact that I have been forgiven. That's the Christian life. That's the big picture. And Paul wants you to grab hold of that. So where there was once sin, now there is new life. What does life look like as I pursue that? How many know in your salvation you've been made a new creation right here? But why aren't you perfect then? because it needs worked out. And pursuing righteousness is working out in your life what God has done. I'm in right standing with him. He's given me the opportunity of new life. I can go back to my life of sin if I wish. That's my choice. But Paul's saying, flee that. Now pursue something in its place. So where there was sin, now there is freedom. Pursue that. Where there was darkness, now there's light. Pursue that. Pursue a life that's evident of the fact that I'm in right standing with the God who made me and desires relationship with me. You're not earning your righteousness, but you're living the result of it. You see what I'm getting at? That comes with a life of living, following Jesus, allowing the work of the Holy Spirit to happen within you. You live in obedience. You're pliable, right? You're, you, you know you're a person that's learning the scriptures. You're a person that's in your prayer time. You're in relationship with God. You're doing things like pray first so he can lead your life. It's this lifelong pursuit of living your salvation. 
Amen. Desires change. New perspectives happen. This whole idea of the old man gone, new man come, it's happened, but now what does it mean to live that life? Now, you see that it's not just a passive way of living. So, so back to my earlier example. So if I was dishonest, and I understand that about myself, and I've asked for forgiveness, I would say, God, help me change. And an awareness of myself as I live life, I was that way, my tendency is to do that. What's life look like now that I must not be that way and I have the opportunity not to be that way? It changes how I interact with people. It changes my relationships. If it's a business, it changes my business dealings, right? It will entirely affect really all that I'm doing because an awareness of a new way possible of living. That's pursuing righteousness. I'm in right standing, but let's work this out. So when we talk about next week, godliness, integrity, Christ-likeness, and all, all these words, they, they intersect, they overlap, they go together. You can't separate them out. They, they, they work together. There is a life to live. A life to live in accordance with the fact that I've been forgiven. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. Let's pursue these things. Don't make this hard, by the way. That was a lot there. Don't, don't make this hard. Simply each day, commit your day to him. Lord, help me today to live life you want to use this word infused by you. I am very aware of the areas of my life that are not of God, that need changed. How many are, are there with me? How many? Okay. It's not this big giant list, but there, there are some things that I'm still growing and, and working on. And if I'm aware of those things, I learn to flee those things and seek with the help of the Holy Spirit to grow something new in its place. And that shows up in my everyday living and dealing with people and how I approach life. If I know in my relationship I was dishonest, I'm aware to make sure that this time and what I do, I'm just going to be straight out honest. I'm going to do this with integrity, upstanding in how I deal with people and interact with people. And I pray then, Holy Spirit, help me do that. Please help me. And he will, because God responds to our prayers. And in this way, we grow. New fruit in place of the old, pursuing righteousness. That's why it's a lifelong endeavor. So, so again, new creation, I'm not perfect, but you also understand that even the working out of new creation doesn't happen by next week. I've been pastoring for almost 30 years. I'm still working some stuff out. But I pursue it. I'm aware. I'm purposeful. I take these things to God. When he convicts, I listen. When he says, do this, I obey. When I see something in the scriptures, I obey. It's a life of learning how to live in his freedom. But it takes your active participation. 
because you realize that the Holy Spirit constantly can be trying to lead you, guide you, convict you, and you can just shut him out the whole time. You can entirely shut him out. He's trying to do the work in you that began at your salvation. He's, he's working on it. He's trying. But you can shut him out. Live life with him. Pursue righteousness. Amen? Yeah. That is, by the way, how a church, a people, becomes a light in the world. That's how it happens. It's coupled with the, the actual proclamation of the gospel, right? It's coupled by the good deeds that we're called to do. But the foundation of all these different kinds of things that we're pursuing a life infused by God, allowing him to change us as he will as we go along with him. That's the people that he's calling as his own. So when you see things, a, a peculiar people, you know that verse, I think First Peter somewhere, like, peculiar people, right? It's like, what are you talking about? It's the people set apart. You know, God can set you apart, and then you turn around and walk right back into it. He can call you over here and you say, oh, I'm here, and then turn around and walk right back into it. You know, it's a life that we end up staying and pursuing him. Amen? Okay. Well, let me close out today. The first thing I want to do, I want to pray about what we were talking about this morning. And then sort of to get things going with the 21 days of prayer, we're just going to take a moment, not long, and just pray uh, for us as a congregation and as a people. Okay? Sound good? So if you, if you would, if you stand up on your feet this morning. So I want you to think for a second. In your life, what are you pursuing? All the different things that you chase after in your life. But in that, are you pursuing the things of God? Priority. You have an opportunity today, you have an opportunity today, if you'd like to, to reset some things in your life. Maybe there's sin, and you're aware of it, and you haven't turned and run from it. You haven't, haven't turned from it, and you keep kind of dabbling back in it. You can make a change today with the help of the Holy Spirit to flee from that sin and start living the freedom that God would have for you. And you say, I don't know, that's hard. I've been dealing with the same thing for so long. Okay. But then pursue righteousness. And over time, you'll grow something new right there. You'll grow the opposite. I believe you can live in freedom from sin. But you have to start to pursue the things of God. But again, he's, you're not alone. He, he's right here with us. So are you pursuing the things of God? That would be a challenge today. Think about it. Over the next two, three, four, am I pursuing? But remember, pursue is action. So what am I doing that shows that? We, we say, I don't know what to do. Talk to me. I'll, I'll help you. 
pursue the things of God. Make some, make some changes that you can make in your life. Amen. So let's, let's pray about that. Lord, we, we pray that you help us. Give us wisdom. We thank you for the fact that we are forgiven. We thank you that we're in right standing with you. Lord, if there's anybody here today that they have unforgiveness for sin, I pray that they just simply right now just ask you a simple prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Forgive me my sins. And you just pray a prayer like that. The Bible says that he is faithful, he is just, and he will forgive us of our sins, of all of our unrighteousness. Just ask him and he'll do it. You don't have to live in guilt and condemnation. You don't have to do that. But you can live in his forgiveness. But Lord, I do pray then that you help us pursue you, pursue the things of, of God. Pursue righteousness. That we're people that they're not caught up in our past any longer, but we're living in the future that you provide for us. Help us. Holy Spirit, help us. We need you. Help us. We can't do this without you. Help us. Every single day, Lord, as we give our life to you once again, help us to live that day in light of who you are. Lord, when we, when we fall, help us back up. Lord, when we make our mistakes and we cry out to you, we know you'll, you haven't thrown us away, but you're still there with us. Lord, help us. Oh, Jesus. Now, let's, let's pray for us as a church. So at your seat, pray. And I'm going to pray, but let's, let's kind of kick off this 21 days of prayer with a, a, a congregational prayer. If you want to grab the person next to you, you can. If not, it's fine, too. Um, but let's just pray for our church. Let's pray for us, okay? So at your seat, do so. I'm going to do so. But let's lift, lift all of us up together. Lord, we thank you that you have called us a family of faith. Lord, for our house, we desire this is a house of salvation where people meet you. Lord, this is a house of long-term discipleship that, that we're in this for, for the long haul. Lord, this is a house of freedom where people can be set free from the bondages and chains that, of life. Lord, this is a house of celebration. We celebrate you in our freedom. Lord, this is a house where your light shines. Lord, that every time we go forth from you, Lord, that, that we're rescuers, we're taking a gospel to the world. I pray we have an urgency to share you with those around us. Father, I pray for each one in this house, Lord, as, as, as we live life with you, Lord, I pray that you help us in all areas, in our, our finances, Lord, I, in our relationships, Lord, I, for those that have physical needs, that you touch their bodies, Lord. For those that have emotional struggles and needs, Lord, that you touch those things in Jesus' name. That we're people doing this together, learning to live your way together. That is a place of encouragement, that we learn to encourage one another, that we learn to bear one another's burdens. 
Lord, all the way from our babies to our oldest, Lord, that we are being equipped and trained in what it means to live in you. We come against the works of the enemy. We come against where he would try to tear down, and destroy, to deceive. We come against how he would try to, to peel people away from the family of faith. We bind it in the name of Jesus. Lord, that we are a people who are growing strong. Like a tree whose roots are grown so far in the ground. Growing into maturity of the things of, of who you are. So no matter what life brings, circumstances of life, the winds of life, the storms of life, we stay rooted and we stay strong in you. We persevere. We stay faithful. And Lord, you know each one of our situations, where we're at in life today, the different things that we're facing, different things that we're experiencing. And you're right here with each one of us. intimately present. We thank you for that. So I pray that as a house, a congregation, we're encouraged together. We're strengthened together. We're growing together. Lord, keep leading us. Keep guiding us. We look for you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody look at me. Do you know how much I believe in you? You say, you don't know me. You don't know my mess. Well, I could imagine because I know my own. But I believe in you because I believe in God. I believe God can do all things. You believe that? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go. Be blessed as you go today. Come Wednesday night. We'll keep on with our series in prayer. Love somebody on the way out. If you want prayer this morning, have any questions, come see me. Be blessed as you go today.